0: Transfer news.
1: <claps> Unlikely.
0: I, hey, that's not what I wrote.
1: I don't really care. We're going with it now.
0: All right, soccer Today new bracket America. America. <laughs> soccer new bracket America. Feature Russell person. talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring you know who? Hello! Yeah, that's my 10 year old daughter co host, Person Noob. We are trying to learn about the whole sport all across the world at once. We figured why take it on piecemeal? Every single top flight league in the world, in any FIFA associated country, all the national team tournaments, everything goes within our purview. And we're going to do 10 mini match previews for you throughout the show, as we always do, in addition to our three super fun bonus matches. We are looking for matches with stakes. Sometimes we're going to be in big leagues and tournaments, sometimes in some of the smaller confederations, countries and leagues in the world. But if it's important where it's being played, it's a pretty good chance that it's on our radar. And that gives us the leeway to talk about matches that you're not going to hear about anywhere else and we hope that you get a lot of enjoy- enjoyment and fun out of it we nerd out a little bit on the geography we'll do a food related culture break later on uh person is going to return with their very own endangered aminals segment and debut a new theme song for it and perhaps best of all for the only the second time ever we've actually managed to con somebody into appearing on the show we think there might have been uh some sort of uh, confusion as to what the name of our show actually was but we're willing to live with that if it was going to mean that Thomas Costello of the Bryant and Me podcast that talks about soccer particularly women's soccer and lots of other podcasty things as they like to say joining us for a preview of a match from the very tippy top of the women's uh the WSL the women's super league the top flight over in England kind of give us a state of their league and of that match and of Thomas's favorite team. We're looking forward to all that, but we can't get to it unless we kick off some of these matches. Let's dive right in with Match number 1. Nothing on Friday caught our fancy quite enough for it to make the podcast though. So We start on Saturday, our first match. This is going to be a little something for the noobs like us. A very simple mini preview of the Manchester Derby. Yeah, the Premier League, top league in the world. Four Champions League group stage berths are what they will get at the end of the season. One Europa League group stage birth, and yet another berth into the Europa Conference League's playoff round. That's what's at stake for all of the top teams by the end of the season. Right now, here's where your powerhouses from Manchester sit. Manchester City, they'll be playing host and they are uh, currently rated number four in the league. Number B, Man City. They are in second place. The two teams are separated by just four miles, so more than being in the same city. This is practically an intra-neighborhood derby. Just love it. To look at the table specifics, Arsenal, at the time that we scouted it, led the league with 44 points. Man City sit five back with 39, Newcastle and Manchester United at 35, and then Tottenham flirting with one of those Champions League berths at 33. The recent series between these two, a slight edge to Man City with a 16-4 and 13 record. Not a lot of draws in there, kind of an interesting thing to note. The overall series over the 100-plus years I suppose they've been playing it, Man United have had the edge with a 7, 77 58 and 53 record. You can catch this particular iteration 7:30 in the morning here in the States on the USA network or you can catch a Spanish language broadcast of it on Universo. So, Man United They're currently only rated number nine in the league on offense. Been a little lacking that regard. One and a half goals per match and change. Number five defense overall, not too bad. Giving up just over a goal per match. And the overall number six goal differential. By all the stats, this is a team that's overachieving in the table. Although with the team with the budget like uh, Man United have, it's almost impossible to say with a straight face that they're ever really overachieving. But it is interesting to look at those metrics and wonder, will the will they be able to get a result at home and how will they be looking at the end of the season? One might guess, based on goal differential alone, that they're not going to be heading to the Champions League, that uh, they might slip down rather than hold, uh, tread water or move on up. Key players to look for. On the scoring leaderboard with seven on the season, forward Marcus Rashford. He's got over 50 national team caps. Uh, Tied for second best in the league in assists with six, Christian Eriksen, uh, Danish defensive midfielder, but certainly has some offensive prowess, as you can see here. Now, if that name rings a bell, if you're a casual soccer fan, yes. This was the same guy that had the, I believe it was, heart issues, issues, Back in the Euros The European National Championships uh, Fairly recently So good to see that his recovery seems complete Spent the heart of his career with Tottenham And in my opinion They've got the second best goalkeeper in the league He's got eight clean sheets on the year That's David De Gea Uh, veteran Spaniard, been here over a decade. And yet I do want to qualify what I say about his goalkeeping prowess because I'm starting to take note of save percentage as well. And he's barely in the top 10 in that particular regard. Team's current form, they've gotten uh, six straight wins across all competitions. And on an interesting side note, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest of this or any generation, has now exited his Premier League side here and moved on to Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia on a massive, I believe, two-year, nine-figure deal. So it'll be interesting to see what the offense looks like completely without him, not that he'd been starting with any regularity. Man City number one in the off- uh number one in offense in the league, almost two and two thirds goals per match, and then a the top three defense to go with that boot. They've got the number one scorer. In the league by a mile, Erling Holland, who I believe uh, I've been hearing more and more being referred to by the nickname of the Meat Shield, which I just absolutely love. He's got 21 goals on the season, just astounding. Helping him out, number one on assists, longtime star Kevin De Bruyne, Belgian. Midfielder, almost a hundred national team caps to his credit as well. He's always an interesting one to watch over the course of his career because he's not real strong, not real pacey or super fast, but he's smart. He's a really good dribbler, and I think that Christian Pulisic uh, model, the American superstar, models his play at least in part on Kevin De Bruyne, is even though they don't play the same position. They're both guys that like to dribble right at people and see what happens. Team's current form: five one and o oh, across all competitions. Uh, looking at The odds on one particular site I found To my mild surprise The home field or home pitch I should say here for Manchester uh, United wasn't quite As strong a factor as I thought Maybe it would be Uh, I won't go into explaining the three Line uh, way that things typically Work with soccer betting but perhaps suffice It to say if you bet Man City with a hundred bucks You're only going to win 114 you get a lot More than that if you bet on Manchester United. So who knows? It could be really interesting to see how that turns out from the betting houses as well. Match number B. See, that was completely painless, everybody. Now, things get just a little bit weirder here in our signature way. Match number B. You heard Person New, daughter, dearest, and co host with that one. And you heard me make mention of it in the first match. We don't believe in the phrase number ugh, two. Uh, Uncouth, it's bathroom talk Let's replace that in our lives with number B B, 1B345 You can say two, just not number and the other word As I have found out when I accidentally do it And uh, the management plays a pretty nasty sound effect To catch my attention All right, match number B, another Saturday match And we head to Saudi Arabia Speaking of Cristiano Ronaldo And I mentioned his move to El Nasser Well, he's going to be playing potentially in this match Number one ranked AFC league in the world By the way is the Saudi Premier League They will get three Champions League berths into the Asian or AFC Version of that and They're about halfway through the season Number B in the table Al-Shabaab They will be your home team They are playing host to al Nasser. Look at the table al Nasser, they've got 29 Shabaab and Al-Hilal They are three back with 26 And then al Itihad. They're looking to crack that Champions League uh, stratus in the league there. They're just sitting one more point back. Series between these two recently, Al Nasser have had the slight edge with an 8 3 and 5 record. Shabab, the home team, will start with them, as is always our tradition. Shabab, by the way, means youth. So think of this as like Juventus over in Italy in Serie A. They are known as the White Lion. Now, longer-time listeners of the show will know exactly how we feel and we want you to feel about Lion. Every darn team in the world is called Lion. Let's not be so cliché. Do something original. Shabab is really good. They're high enough in the AFC. Maybe they've earned the right to do whatever they want. They are considered the number 10 club in all of the continents. They play out of the capital city of Riyadh and have earned six league titles, but it's been a minute, a decade since they won their last one. 2010 champions league they made the semifinals. that's the best they've ever done they're in the current one right now they're about to play an uzbek team named uh, nasaf karshi round of 16 Uh, they qualified for that by finishing in second place in the 2020 21 season things for some of the countries are staggered kind of interestingly for which champions league you're fighting to get into Because based on last year's results, they wouldn't have got in. And I believe that means they won't be playing in the next one. They finished in fourth place, just missed out. This year, very well-balanced team. Uh, Second-best offense in the league, scoring two-plus. They've also got a top-three defense and the second-best overall goal differential. Key players to keep an eye out for. Tied for number three in league scoring with seven is the singularly named Carlos from Brazil plays right winger for them. European fans have a chance to recognize his name. Uh, he's, he, he was here as of 2021, but that was after two seasons with Santa Clara. Not one of the powers in Portugal, but a top flight team there. Top, tied for number three in assistant league with four is Hatan Sultan Babri. Left winger, and then tied for one number one in goalkeeping. If you're looking at clean sheets, he's got seven of them. Is a player from South Korea, Sungai Kim. Spent most of career, most of his career in the J1 League, the top flight in Japan. He's another one where it might be the defenders in front of him who should really be getting more of the credit. He's only number six in save percentage around here. Teams current form one one and one in their last three. And now Al Nasser. All right, full disclosure, Cristiano Ronaldo is probably not going to play in this one. Um, I don't know precisely why he's missing, but I believe he's choosing to or the team is choosing to have him play out the second match of maybe some sort of two-match suspension Uh, I'm going to assume levy by FIFA. I'm not sure. Otherwise, I don't know how it could affect him here since the incident didn't happen in Saudi Arabia. But uh, when he was playing one of the Manchester teams, I believe it was, well, whoever it was he was playing, I think it was a Champions League match, he smashed some kid's phone for some reason. So, naughty, naughty. Anyway, Al Nasser, they also play out of the capital city of Riyadh. They are known as the Knights of, I believe it's pronounced Najd, N-A-J-D, which is a... uh, This is the historical center of that geographic region. They've won nine league titles and have had a lot more recent success. They last hoisted the trophy just back in 2018-19, and they've won three in the last decade. In the Champions League, they once finished second place, 1995, and that was the best they've ever done. twenty twenty Let me try that again, 2021 version. Uh, They made the semifinals, and that's their most recent appearance. In league play last year, they finished in third place. This year, number one offense, top two defense, number one goal differential. And just think, this is all before the addition of Cristiano Ronaldo. Might he have been struggling in certain ways uh, back in the Premier League? Sure. But even though this is the best league in Asia, make no mistake, uh, he'll be able to dominate to some degree over here. One would easily predict They've already got the number one league score with 11. That is Anderson uh, Jaliska from Brazil, an attacking midfielder. He should complement Cristiano Ronaldo playing more forward very nicely. He also leads the league in shots per 90. So not necessarily the most accurate shooter, but still he's getting a lot of them. And uh, European fans will know him from his days with Besiktas and Benfica over in Portugal. Tied for number one in goalkeeping in terms of clean sheets Seven of those, David Ospina from Colombia European fans, once again, I know you'll know his name Uh, He played for Nice over in League 1 in France Arsenal in the Premier League, Napoli in Serie A Ah, Plus he's got well over 100 national team appearances to his credit His save percentage, once again, is barely in the top 10 though Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last 12 uh, as far as the, uh, I looked for some odds on this game, and I think some of this might have been because people were holding off, wondering if Ronaldo uh, was going to play. But I did find one reputable source that said, even though both teams are very strong on defense, that based on their styles, that there's very little chance this should end up as a shutout. So we should see some goals there at least. Match number three. Setter, we come back closer to home for us here in the states to the CONCACAF region for a Premier League matchup from the Caribbean country of Antigua and Barbuda. Now, this isn't the strongest league in the world. In fact, at least by a source that I really like, Kick Algorithms, they don't even get enough international played to really be ranked even within our association here. And I doubt it would do very strongly. Obviously, it's not the biggest country in the region by far, and maybe not even in the Caribbean. But football is very much uh, second best to cricket when it comes to sporting popularity it's very early in their season there and we want to acknowledge that number b Granades are taking on number one all saints united right now all saints lead them by five goals that's right they're tied on points and they're tied on goal differential so if this were to hold true by the very end of the season and there's a fair bit of a ways to go there then the third tiebreaker Would be goals scored overall And these two they lead a team called Old Road by two points And that's all you're going to get About this particular match Because this is the time of show Where we normally turn to Our 3500 year old prognosticator Noob Stradamus for a drug aided Or drug addled vision He's actually been on hiatus So we have at least temporarily uh, Created a new segment Specifically Person Noob You've created it haven't you Yeah. And you've even got a new theme song. Let's listen to it. That's pretty good Uh, Especially considering You've been uh, You kind of had Your guitar Set uh, set aside for a while And you had been Focusing more on uh, The ukulele Correct Yeah I know they're related And that you're getting Better and better with both But you play your ukulele A little bit more Don't you Mm -hmm. But is the ukulele An aminal No No it is not And neither is the guitar uh, so, from the island uh, island country of Antigua and Barbuda, you want to tell people what the name of the animal is that we're going to talk about that's endangered.
1: The Antiguan racer.
0: Yep, the Antiguan racer. What kind of animal is it? A snake. Ooh, a
1: slippery, sneaky slippery
0: snake. Sneaky snake. But how big do those things get? Are they super huge and scary like boa constrictors?
1: No, they're 3 feet long.
0: Okay, Sweet. and are they uh do we have to be scared of them if we ever go there?
1: No, they're harmless to us.
0: All right, you have any interesting facts for us about the snake?
1: Uh females are bigger than males and they have bigger heads.
0: That's not the first time we've run into that sort of dimorphism where the uh, the female is bigger than the male in nature. I wonder why that is. I don't really have a working theory, do you? No. But they've got bigger heads. And you know what that probably means? Hmm. Bigger brained. That's been one of your phrases lately around the house big-brained. and in life is you really big-brained. like, yes, you like the idea of being big brained. Because you are big brained, are you not? No. <laughs> you don't think so? No. All right, let's learn a little bit more about the lizards. Where do they like to live?
1: In shady woodlands with thick undergrowth.
0: And why do they like that specifically?
1: Uh, because when they hunt, they like hide in the leaves in the undergrowth.
0: Yeah, and then they, uh... oh, and so then they like jump out.
1: They like, pop out.
0: Pop out. That's a better way to put that because snakes probably have a hard time jumping. I'm assuming this is not a special snake that has legs, does it? Mm-hmm. If it had legs, it probably wouldn't be endangered. (laughs) It would be finding other ways to survive. All right. Well, I'm going to give a couple of the facts here now. Personally, this is what I found most interesting as I helped with the research. They used to be all over the country's islands, uh, all over Antigua and Barbuda, the big islands, the little like islands. And what was it that made that so possible?
1: Uh, There were lots of lizards and like no natural predators.
0: Okay, Uh, now let's talk about their history a little bit and exactly what happened to them.
1: Uh, In the late 1400s, Europeans arrived, began developing huge sugarcane plantations.
0: Well, sugarcane, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I don't know if snakes eat sugar, but what was the problem with that?
1: Uh, The ships came and went, brought rats. They they brought rats. Oh,
0: and what did the rats do?
1: They ate the sugarcane and the snake eggs, and the population soared.
0: Oh, they like the sugar cane. <laughs> yeah, I can see where that would be a problem. So the, the plantation owners really didn't like uh, the rats being there, did they? What did they do? Uh,
1: they bought. Uh, they brought in Asian mongooses to eat the
0: rats. Okay, now that's the way I spelled it in the notes, mongooses. Do you think it should be mongooses or mongoose?
1: Mongoose.
0: Well, mongoose would be the singular. How do you think we should pluralize them? Mongooses or mongoose? Mongoose. Mongoose. You think that sounds better?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so they brought in the Asian mongooses uh, to uh, eat the rats, but what was the problem?
1: The rats were nocturnal, uh, and the mo- the, mongo- the mongoose the uh, mongooses were active during the day. Uh,
0: so they weren't getting eaten, were they? No. What were they eating instead?
1: Uh, in- Dead, the mongooses ate the snakes and other native animals.
0: Yeah, now they didn't, so they didn't bring in the mongoose to uh, specifically eat the snakes. They were harmless and they probably didn't care much about the snakes, but that could have been a positive for the snakes, but it turned out to be negative because now they had rats eating their eggs and the mongoose is eating them. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. That's why they ended up endangered. In fact,
1: Uh, before the end of the century, many thought the racer were extinct.
0: But were they extinct?
1: No. Turns out they survived on a tiny, tiny Great Bird Island.
0: That's right. One of, That's not one of the two main islands in the country, but a little tiny one. Uh, in
1: 1995, only 50 were found to be alive.
0: And then so what happened? What did they do?
1: Uh, Conservationists quickly worked to eradicate the island of rats and mongoose, and it worked.
0: Uh, I wonder what they did to bring. I wonder if they brought in like even bigger animals to eat them or probably did something else. I never did see that, did you? No. Okay, what else did they do?
1: Uh, The snakes sent to New Jersey did not work out. Yeah,
0: well, very few people or things that go to New Jersey work out, but specifically they got sent to a zoo. But what was the problem with sending the snakes somewhere else?
1: Uh, They have low resistance to disease and to snake mites.
0: Okay, so they didn't survive very well in New Jersey and wouldn't have much anywhere else. We won't blame New Jerseyans for that specifically but now what kind of shape are they in?
1: Uh more islands tend to have them.
0: That's right. They've expanded out from that tiny uh Great Bird Island and now they're uh back and comparatively blooming, but there are still a lot of things that threaten the snakes, aren't there?
1: Mhm.
0: What are those? Some of those.
1: Uh like they're threatened by hurricanes, flood, drought and, and breeding.
0: Yeah, there's a problem with the inbraiding. They don't have enough of the snakes to have a a broad genetic base, and that's leading to a lot of them, uh, uh, what's happening to a lot of them.
1: Uh, They're becoming underweight.
0: Yeah, and that's not real good for a snake that's already probably got a bad immune system. So this is not as cute an animal as some of the other ones that we've covered in previous segments, is it? But we're really happy to make people aware of all the endangered animals throughout the world.
1: Because yeah. you're a big fan
0: of biodiversity, aren't you? Yeah Do you know what biodiversity is? Not really Well, what does bio mean? <laughs> like biology, what do you Life. study? Life and Life. diversity, what's that?
1: <laughs> Something called diversity
0: Yeah, lots of stuff, you know And we thank you for contributing to this segment And with the theme song that's leading us out once again mm-hmm. Number four. And now we flip the calendar page to Sunday, our fourth match. France's League One is our destination. It is now the fifth ranked league in UEFA after spending so many years in the top four. So they don't quite max out on Champions League and international berths, but very, very close. They'll get to send two teams to the Champions League group stage. One team, also to the Champions League, but they'll have to start the third qualifying round. One to the Europa League, one to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup, number four, Ran taking on number one, PSG. Always like seeing PSG go on the road because they've been the dominant power in this league, it would seem, for the most part, for so many years, with just a little hiccup here and there. All right, a glance at the table. PSG have 44. Lentz have 40. Marseille have 36. And Ran, your uh, home team today, they have 34. Monaco are just a little bit further back, one point at 33. Series between these two, PSG, big advantage. No surprise here, 17, 5, and 6 record in recent years. This is another one you can catch on television, 2.45 p.m. in the States on BN Sports or BN Sports and Español if you prefer. Ran. Now, they're uh, from the northwest part of the country in the province of Brittany. About a quarter million people in the city proper, three-quarters in the overall metro area. Uh, Snowfer, car manufacturing, telecom, and they've got the largest women's prison in the country. So if you like keeping track of that sort of thing, well, my gosh, we are women's prison noob, at least since France is concerned, no more, and now we all know. By the way, I recognize that uh, Rand is not likely to be a team that challenges for the title, but they should very much be in the hunt for a Champions League berth. And with them hosting, it's not unthinkable that they could get a result against PSG today. They have never won the league title, in fact. They did win their FA Cup there, the Coupe de France, three different times. 2018-19 was by far the most recent. That's the only one they've won here in the 2000s. They were joint winners in 2008 internationally of one of the tournaments that was considered a predecessor to the Europa League, which is the second tier international club tournament in Europe. 2020-21 Champions League, they made the group stage. That is the best that they have ever done there. They're about to play Shakhtar Donetsk out of the Ukraine in the Europa League playoff round. Last year in league play, they finished in fourth. This year. Their bread gets buttered a little bit more on the offensive side. They're top three in that regard, getting exactly, I believe, two goals per match. Overall, they've got the fourth best goal differential. The defense is pretty good, but it's not in PSG's class by any means. Key folk to look for. Number seven league scorer with nine on the year is Martin uh, Terrier, or Terrier perhaps. He is a Frenchman winger. He played some for the French national team at the youth levels, but that was as far as he got. On the assist leaderboard with four is Benjamin uh, Borijod. I'm going to pronounce it B-O-U-R-I-G-E-A-U-D. I I thought it was Beauregard at first, but this appears to be related, but not quite it. Anyway, he plays midfielder for them. Team's current form, uh, they have won two straight and five out of their last six, but they haven't had a single clean sheet in their last eight. Matches, And I don't care if it's home or away when you're playing PSG. Wow, it seems like a, a clean sheet should be nearly impossible to come by. We're talking about the Parisian Giants who have won eight league titles since just 2012 and they are your defending champions. They're about to play Bayern Munich in the Champions League round of 16. They have never won the league, which always surprises me every time I, uh, or yeah, the Champions League, every time I revisit that factoid. They've made the semifinals before, 2019-20, best they've ever done. This year in the league, number one on offense by a mile, getting almost two and three-quarters goals per match on average. They've got the number one goal differential by almost a factor of two. Uh, When you've got international superstars like Neymar, Messi, Kylian Mbappe Somebody's putting him in the back of the net And there should be a couple of those today So since those are all names That are known to me as a noob I'm sure that as most of you are veteran fans I'm guessing know them Let's take a look at another key player uh, He is hurt uh, and I'm not sure he's going to play in this one, but I want to talk about Marco Verratti, Italian central midfielder. I have never seen a passing accuracy rating like this for a guy who plays a position that's going to be really high volume, 95% passing rate. Number one in the league by how much? The second best player in the league has only a 76% passing accuracy rate. That's true just dumbfounding me quite frankly he's also a good dribbler and he's pretty okay on tackle interceptions so this is a guy that while he is not one of their superstars really helps make the team tick he's been here since 2012 team's current form uh they lost at lance in their last league match and that was their first loss of the season match number five and for our fifth match as we reach the halfway point of the podcast we head back across the Atlantic to the WSL. That's the Women's Super League, the top flight in England, the fourth-ranked league in all of UEFA. As such, they're going to get one team into the group stage of the Champions League next go-round and a couple into the qualifying stage as well. They're about halfway through their season, and you can catch the match on CBS SN at 7 a.m. Eastern Time here in the U.S. if you choose to get up early enough. And why wouldn't you? After all, it's a top-two matchup. Number B in the table, Arsenal taking on number one, Chelsea. Quick look at the table. Chelsea, at the time of scouting—I know that things might have changed between when I scouted it and time of recording— 27 in the table, Arsenal three back with 24, Man United lurking at 22. And something important to remember here is that the teams that are in second, third, and fourth place all have a match in hand on Chelsea. So, ooh, this is going to be quite the race probably all the way through the end of the season. As far as the recent series between these two, Chelsea have had far the better of it, accruing a 7-3-2 and two record. And now with more further ado, because Quite frankly, I'm sure some of you get a little bit tired of the five-minute mini previews of a noob who is just learning the whole soccer world all at once. So we bring you from amongst many other places, but his home podcast, the Bryant and Me podcast, we have me. Say hello, me. Hello, me. (laughs) Excellent. I didn't know if you wanted to go with your full name or if there was something special about just going as me.
2: Well, you know all of my names now. After um, after, I don't think I share my confirmation name. I'll just give you the name that you see online. I'm, hi, I'm Thomas Costello, and hi. I'm, I'm really excited to be on on Soccer News.
0: No, is, not
2: no. This is um, great.
0: Well, there might be a misunderstanding. This is did you, Soccer News. No, well, that yeah, happened before. No, this is a Soccer Noob with two O's and a B. Soccer Noob Rock in America. Is I apologize a for the word. Confusion.
2: Well, I'm already here. Um, let's do yeah, it. I
0: guess you might as well. I snuck past your gatekeeper, whoever that was. Don't know if it was your assistant or your wife, but you're here. It's not soccer news. That's a pretty vague name, anyway. Yeah, Sorry that gonna you got people.
2: I, soccer news <laughs> is going to get more attention anyway. I guess so.
0: Well, we shall see, certainly, uh, certainly with somebody with your expertise when it comes to women's soccer in general, and I know that while we're going to be discussing Arsenal and Chelsea, that neither of these two is your particular favorite. Which is the team that the folks should know that you would encourage them to follow?
2: Yeah, I try my best not to associate with either of these teams, but I have a working knowledge of both of them. Um, I am a, a Liverpool supporter, which has been a lot more fruitful I would say on the men's side over the last few years, but I have a lot of opinions that probably can't get into a five to seven minute match (laughs) preview for a game that they're not even in, but I think. Well, I mean, the good news is Liverpool
0: absolutely dominated last
2: year, didn't they? In the championship, which uh, (laughs) for folks who don't (laughs) know, the FA women's championship, they were in the second division. And that is a pro slash not fully pro league. No, so they do say. have, so it's mixed. It's a mixed bag down there in the championship. And then once you get to the national league, Oh, it's the wild, wild west. And um, how was how it yeah, that they Liverpool, got relegated? They got relegated in 2020 because of that. Um, the start of that pandemic thing that's impacted, you know, everyone's lives in one way or another Liverpool. It's not the most, life altering thing that impacted them from the pandemic compared to many other things that could have, but they were relegated on a, on a fraction of a point because of the league saying, you know what, we're going to not do any, we're not going to finish the league this year, but we're still going to relegate a team. And we're going to do that based off of your, your, Points per match. I was going to. So guess we're going to divide your points, points per, per match. match,
0: like MLS did a couple years ago, and that's how Colorado. But rivals. the thing it's is, the Premier the League.
2: But like the Premier League, s- still did it. Like they still kept going, and that's a trend across England uh and football, soccer in England, uh, is that it, it is. It's not bringing in the billions of dollars that the Premier League is, but in that case specifically, they really did treat it l- much lesser than. Um, the Premier League, they didn't try to get it back going again. They were just like, well, our season's over. And then in the championship, they didn't do relegation. So only relegation from the <laughs> Women's Super League to the championship. It so seems Liverpool like if they was wanted to reward
0: teams team. from the championship for sticking it out and expand the uh, the WSL for a season or two, that would have been a better way to go.
2: It would have. And then it took Liverpool a season. Um, it was close in the first season, but Leicester City, who is now not doing too great, the WSL, uh, they kind of their first year professional, they kind of barnstormed the championship and Liverpool was changing managers and players were leaving because when you get relegated, obviously you lose some talent. And so they they needed that year to adjust. But then last season, they candidly um, won the championship going up to the Super League. So now this year, uh, who knows how it's going to end? I don't think they're a team that's going to get relegated. I mean, if you look at the table right now, Leicester City is uh, not doing great. They have zero (laughs) points. No no points in the table. (laughs) So Liverpool is eight points clear there. Not as worried about relegation, um, but now it's just, okay, what is your team going to do? Are you going to invest or are you okay just not being relegated? Um, So that's kind of the life of Liverpool supporter. But at this point uh, in the women's Super League, and you could even say, in the men's side too it hasn't been you know smooth sailing this season either over there i'm or a but big
0: believer I'm... in goal differential and just to look at that it seems like they might be able to ride their defense if nowhere near a champions league spot they should be able to flirt with a uh, top six uh finish everton might be the team that keeps them out on that but we shall see uh, they're in ninth yeah. place now the one thing uh, i will root for liverpool on your behalf since you're kind enough to be on the show with us because if oh. nothing else i have to see them finish ahead of the dreaded tottenham hotspur who are currently in eighth place.
2: Yeah, I'm. I know uh, all on, the feels, right? May, we on Brian, me, we talk about Tottenham. Uh, there are strong feelings I have towards Tottenham that again might not be able to fit into a five to seven minute no, um, no, no, match preview. Not.
0: Well, I would encourage you to hate them along with us here at Team Noob for the most sensible reason in our opinion, which is that it's a team that was named after a a twice-named traitor in Harry the Hotspur Percy. That would be like naming uh, the New England Revolution the New England Benedict Arnolds and having it in all caps for some reason. So, makes no sense to me. I don't appreciate the illogic of it all. So, most particularly, go Liverpool since they're in the same part of the table. Yeah. Now, the Chelsea-Arsenal game, Um, what do you have for us as far as this particular matchup? I've got my usual notes, but I have a feeling that your knowledge runs a little bit deeper across the league, even when Liverpool isn't involved.
2: Yeah, this match is kind of the, the heavyweight fight. This is the two teams that are expected to be at the top of the table. I mean, Arsenal wins this, and there's still a game in hand on. On Chelsea but then they're tied with them on points so that just tells you how close these two teams are in the Super League it's it's about three teams this year man uh, man United is playing much better they just recently became professional a few years ago um, but it's usually over recent history Chelsea Arsenal and Men's City usually in that order too Chelsea's won the last three Super Leagues Arsenal won before them in the four uh, four years ago I, I think this is the match that if you're not a fan of either side, you'll still watch because of those league implications. No, if you're yeah, really I... into the super league or if it's a great, it's a great way to learn about the league because the players too. each of the teams, unfortunately, one of the team's best players is out, but uh, Chelsea, like they, they have names that are, are really exciting to watch.
0: Yeah, who are a couple? Who are the couple of the uh, the key names for Chelsea? I know one of them you're going to mention is out from our our chatting kind of pre-interview, but go ahead and uh, lay those both on me if you would.
2: Yeah, Pernille Harder. She played for Wolfsburg a couple seasons ago. Um, she unfortunately just got injured, so she's going to be out for um, quite some time. I don't think they put a specific number on how long she's going to be out but it is substantial. It feels like she's not going to be playing for the rest of the season. So her introduction to the league, it already helped the strong Chelsea team become even stronger, but without her, I still think Chelsea has a good shot, especially because Arsenal's missing someone who's, I would say, comparable, maybe even a little better than Harder, who's also out. But for Chelsea, who's going to be on the field is Sam Kerr. She's uh, an Australian She really got her popularity in the NWSL. She played for the Chicago Red Stars, won the Mm -hmm. league scoring record for most goals in a season. And then Chelsea was like, we're going to make you the highest paid player in all of women's soccer. So she went overseas. She went to England. And Sam Kerr is somebody who get her the ball anywhere close to the 18. And I feel sorry for whoever's defending her. Um, (laughs) Chelsea is a... Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, just had a little cough. Sorry.
2: <laughs> oh, no. Chelsea is a side and Arsenal, too. Whenever they play the bottom half teams of the league, uh, it, it's a we kind of joke around on Brian me that once you score one goal, you're about to score six goals. Yeah. Because once when, uh... they're able to, yeah, once you're able to get past the defense of, like, uh, let's say a Leicester, Leicester is going to sit back against these teams. It is really, top heavy maybe not as top heavy as other as other excuse me um, women's leagues in Europe but it is slightly top heavy with only a few teams really realistically in the argument to win at the end of the season but yeah. once Chelsea can score on you and you start opening up your play it's just it gets ugly quick and Sam Kerr is one of those players yeah that, that Sam makes it Kerr and
0: Fran Kirby what are you going to do if you're on the defensive side
2: not much you're <laughs> just going to hope you can outscore them that's what I think.
0: No, and that's and that's really unlikely about. to happen because looking at their metrics, I know that they've got a top three defense in the league, and that's plenty good. But they're they're leading in the league and, and on goal differential specifically because of that offense getting over three goals per match—that's just outrageous. Uh, the gal's name, who I keep seeing pop up on Twitter lately, and I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, and I'm embarrassed I hadn't known about her before because I don't think it's the first time I've talked about Chelsea this season. I think there was one other, but they've got a gal from Norway who is leading the league in assists by almost a factor of two. She's almost getting one per match. You want to take a stab at her name because I'm not sure
2: how to say it. I'm going to go Giro right Could be. Okay, so we're going with the hard right. team. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, right think it's like the Euro. I don't think it's like the gyro. I don't think it's like the gyro. I'm gonna go gyro. I'm gonna go hard G on that one.
0: That's fair enough. Although uh, although gyros are delicious in my opinion.
2: Oh gosh! Oh for sure. Yeah. So
0: you you if like you
2: in Canton Ohio? Yeah. There's a place called Papa Gyros in Canton Ohio. Uh, if you ever want one. Um, yeah. Although why you'd be in Canton Ohio, I don't know. But if you well, ever are. If the, Euro, gyros, if
0: the Euros yeah. are good enough, I'm there now. I got to, you know, forget this soccer stuff. Let's get into the meat of this, literally, <laughs> figuratively. So are you a uh, oh. are you a spiced beef guy, a spiced lamb guy, or do you like it when they mix the two together best?
2: I do. Uh, I'll get a, a Cajun Gyro at Papa Gyro. So I do like it um, spicier. I do like it spicier. Although every time I eat there, um, I feel like crap the next day, but it's so worth it when you're eating it um so it's it's one of the the things you do for love right yeah well
0: you're not the youngest man in the world anymore i have news for you that's going to just keep on
2: happening (laughs) that was about 15 years
0: papa gyro uh yeah papa euros can only take so much of the blame i'm going to be honest
2: well that was 15 years ago that it would hurt me the next day so i I don't know how I would do now. And might we we
0: might ugly. discover that it had lethal, potentially lethal consequences. All right. So we've got yeah. Chelsea and, uh, and heroes knocked out of the way. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Arsenal side. This is a team I'll probably root for just because they're the Tottenham hotspur, uh, you know, uh, you know, main rival, even though they're <laughs> not involved with this game, kind of a, kind of a gunner by default. So this is a team with a lot of good recent history as well under the belt. Yes.
2: Yeah, um, Arsenal, is an, they're always right up there, either in second or third, or like I said, four seasons ago when they won the whole league. Um, Arsenal is another team that really invests in their women's side, which I, I can appreciate. Even if I don't like you know the club or the teams, I can respect what Chelsea and Arsenal do. Um, so I put Arsenal at the same level of putting money into it, investing into it. The problem with Arsenal right now is that Vivian Medema, who is from the Netherlands. She was 2021 mm-hmm. Women's Footballer of the Year. Um, she's she's insane, but she also just tore her ACL. So now okay. she's going to be out for about 11 months or so, about a year, um, which is awful. You oh, never goodness. want players to do that. I mean, you never want that to happen to players. Um, so she's out, unfortunately, but they still have quality even without her. On the field. They still have Beth Mead. She's an England international. Um, They also have uh, Katie McCabe, who's an Ireland international. She's played with Arsenal since 2017. She's been one of those leaders on the field for Arsenal. And then also internationally, Ireland just qualified for their first Women's World Cup. So that's. it's it's, Arsenal's not a team of slouches with nadima gone let's put it that way
0: no i mean i've uh, for the two seasons i've been following the league in any capacity i believe they've had manuela zinsberger that austrian goalkeeper and she is she and the defense in front of her are both incredibly uh tough i think they've only been allowing a goal roughly every other match maybe a half dozen goals on the year if uh memory serves and uh, I know on the off- offensive side it's kind of looking for star scores to look for when uh, they look like one of those teams kind of like the Brazilian men's national team who are you going to focus on they've got three okay. players that all have four goals each none of them are uh, like well within the top 10 for the league but they can score from it seems like just about any position and anywhere on the field
2: and with Medima out, I think McCabe gets more attention. She only has three goals right now, um, but she's somebody who's coming off of a career season last year with Arsenal. Um, she had 11 goals and eight assists last season. I think this year, uh, especially with Medima out, she's got, more is going to be asked of other offensive players. And I think that kind of Brazilian nature of everybody can score it's going to happen even more. I think McCabe could be one of those names to watch as somebody who benefits. I know it's hard to benefit when your teammate is out for injury, but somebody has to step in. I think she can step in in a big way.
0: Yeah, I think so, too, especially uh, because I suspect that she doesn't have the she she's got a little bit more freedom to score this year. I would think with Caitlin Ford, uh, you know, being in the top three in the league in assists, another one of their Austrians. They seem to like Arsenal has a lot more international players, it seems like, than any of the other teams that I've looked at. They've got people from all over the place. But yeah, if Caitlin, who I know used to play for uh, Gotham before they were Gotham, if she's able to. uh, yeah, feed the ball to McCabe, but McCabe doesn't have to worry about getting any assists. That could be a real boon for her in goals scored.
2: Yeah, and anytime anybody comes from Sky Blue or Gotham, I feel I feel for them. So I'm I'm happy that she's able to now flourish and um, and shine here in, in Arsenal or at Arsenal, I should yeah. say.
0: Yeah. Are you saying she's just probably happy and feeling relieved and uh, you know to be out of Gotham?
2: i think so for sure i think so um <laughs> i know from our twitter discussions time,
0: you've got fans of gotham that listen in so that's <laughs> for them
2: <laughs> it's also because sky blue was the team for, before gotham and they did not treat their players very well and right now at this point i kind of call gotham um polishing the turd because you still have the same owners you still have the same people in charge but yeah. are, 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 the players, logo.
0: Yeah, are the players <laughs> still uh sleeping in like uh you know 20 year old use Winnebago's with, or whatever they were doing
2: to him yeah with would like like rats and stuff in them and I think they didn't have the bathrooms that had to go out to porta potties um and yeah I think that uh it, that has improved just because I think the pressure and the focus has made them improve but I, I still don't like they're not anywhere close to top spinners, but again, another topic. I think you should just come back and talk yes, about all I would, topics I would that love that I to be able to
0: wrangle in a, you know, a half-hour <laughs> uh, NWSL season preview before too long, and I know the draft is coming up for them. But as you said, on it, on another show perhaps. So we've got, we've got lots of good people, lots of good history here between these two particular teams. They will play once more before the end of the season, but nevertheless, this will probably be one of the two you know, key matches for the entire league season was while both Manchester uh, ladies' teams are pretty darn good, I I think that they're going to thumb wrestle probably for that uh, final Champions League spot. Would that be fair to to guesstimate at?
2: Um, Two things. First, yeah, I think Man City will get the advantage. They have Bunny Shaw, who is a Jamaican international. You'll see her at the World Cup this year. I think that gives them an edge. Uh, I think she's another... uh, one of the best goal scorers in the world. I think playing for Jamaica doesn't get the same attention, especially like Sam Kerr, who, like I said, took NWSL by storm, but the place for Australia, Australia's hosting the World Cup. She already gets a ton of attention, and she played in the United States and stuff. I would put Man City above them. And the second thing I have, um, the NWSL draft was tonight, yes, hat So um, it's currently going on right now.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Tom, we have, uh, Tom, us rather, we have one more question. I'm referring to myself in the Royal, Royal, we goodness. One more, (laughs) one more person who was going to be a part of this. And I was going to write her in a funny question to ask you, but she's playing some haunted house uh, game on Roblox with her friends, uh, uh, two doors down here in her in her part of the house so no person oh. new visitation for us today unfortunately so we'll simply end with this uh last question tom costello of the brian and me uh podcast uh can we not be best friends
2: i i'd say there's an opening uh, i say let's do it uh the vetting process is a little tough um unfortunately not able to do any like hazing or anything just because of you know suspensions and all that stuff and past history, but uh, interview process isn't too bad. I I think that you're a strong candidate to be potentially considered.
0: I I, I think that's very generous of you, and I think that if Bryant's were a part of the interview uh, interview podcast, there would be uh, more than merely a bright light shining in uh, noobs eyes to keep that from happening. But that was very <laughs> diplomatic of you, and I appreciate it.
2: I think if we were both around, he would um he would encourage you to be my friend. And I think he'd be like, please take him. He's all yours. <laughs> Good luck, buddy.
0: Well, we have enjoyed listening to your podcast over the years, uh, last couple of years, both person, noob, and me. And I'm certainly thrilled that you were able to take the time from all the various appearances you do, plus your regular non-sports full-time job to uh, help us out with the WSL, because I'm trying to learn uh, team noobs one our part of our mission state, uh, statement is we're learning the whole darn world of soccer all at once. God help us. <laughs> It's a lot to bite off. Being able to learn a little bit more about these teams, Liverpool, and kind of the state of the league in general, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for helping us out, Thomas.
2: Hey, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate tell tell P Noob. um, It was uh, I was bummed to miss out, but I understand where I compete with Roblox
0: uh yeah that's about how well i complete uh compete with roblox as well especially when she's got three or four classmates on which is nice they had a tornado drill at school today so i think she really needed the uh, or not a drill a a real tornado situation so
2: all right yeah stress relief yeah for sure well yeah i'm definitely not known as a stress relief so um, (laughs) i hope that i hope that helps her out All right, Thomas, thank you very
0: much for joining us, and we wish you a fabulous footy week.
2: Thank you, folks. Back. Back, I say, feral
0: felines. Fine, I will give you what you want. A recap of last week's matches. Let's take a look at a match number one last week from the AFF semi final. First leg of the home and away two legged tie, Indonesia versus Vietnam. The result was a nil-nil draw. Saturday, match number B from England's FA Cup, the third round. Chesterfield, our new adoptee from, I believe, down in the fifth tier of British play. They took on West Brom and played to a real shootout 3 3 draw. Uh, West Brom, they got the equalizer in the 93rd minute. They were play this on Tuesday 117 to determine who will go on to the next round. Match number three from San Marino's Championship. Number B Trey Fiore took on number one La Florida. They played to a 1-1 draw. That actually knocked Trey Fiore down to number three. Match number four from the French FA Cup to keep the France round to 64. R.C. Pace de Grasse took on La Tamponnese one of the teams from overseas and the only one that was left alive in Now there are none, as... De Grasse, they won 1 0. Match number 5 was from the Arabian Gulf Cup, the beginning of the group stage. We had Yemen, the weakest team out of that group, playing host to Saudi Arabia, and it was the Kingdom. Saudi Arabia getting a 0 2 win. No real surprise there, even though they only sent their reserves. Sunday match number 6 from La Liga in Spain, number 4, Atletico Madrid, took on Barcelona, and it was the roadside getting a 0 1 win that knocked Atletico Madrid down to number 5. From the t- Turkish Super League, number B, Fetterboss took on number one, Galata Sarai, and it was a route, and for the visiting side, Number one, Galatasaray, they like their position on the table. They won 0-3. No change in table positions for either of the teams. Wednesday, match number eight from Australia's A-League Women. Number three, Western United. Number B, Sydney FC, part of a three-way tie fairly early in the season at the top. Western United defended their home pitch 2-0. That moves them up to number one. Sydney FC go down to number three. Match number nine from the Turks and Caicos Premier League. They're at the stage. I believe only six teams in this one. Number one, teachers FC played host to number B S W A sharks. I say played host. I'd be surprised if they're playing these games anywhere, but all in one stadium in any event, the match ended up getting pushed. It's now listed as getting played on January the 14th. So perhaps we will revisit it back. Thursday, we went to the Stars League of Guitar for number three, Al Wakra versus number one, Al Arabi. And it was the league leaders that ended up getting the win with 1 2 victory on the road. That wasn't enough to knock Al Wakra out of the third spot, though. No change of the table there. And now, your bonus matches with explanations to be coming on these a little bit later in the show. Sunday, we had our route of the week possibility. In Japan from the WE League. That's the Women's Empowerment League. Number one, INA safe. Kobe Leonessa took on number 11, last place, Alfred Rex Nigata. And Kobe won. It wasn't really a wrap, but they did get the W 2 to 1. The most meaningless match in the world. We stayed right there. For number five, Mojima Stella versus number six, Omiya Ardija Ventus. They played to a 1 1 draw. No, t- no change in the table there. And then finally, your matchup, disappointed from the Egyptian Premier League. The two bottom was number 18 Haras el Hodud taking on number 17 is Melee and it was Haras el Hodud getting the win two to nil that actually moved them up to number 16 maybe out of the relegation entirely for the moment is worst player that we pointed out was barstead Morsi and he was their worst player again so congratulations to him on that that wraps up your recap of last week's matches let's dive back into the upcoming week's match previews with match number six Our final match for your weekend comes from the Far East. Say hello to the FA Cup in China. That is their premier knockout tournament that goes on alongside their league, just like all the ones in Europe and everywhere else with which you are familiar. The winner does not go to a secondary AFC tournament, though. As is tradition over in the Asian countries, the winner will earn a spot in the AFC Champions League. Now, we're not going to do a full mini preview on this one, to be honest. I just want to acknowledge that the match is happening. Your combatants are going to be uh, Zhejiang and Shandong Taishan. They both finished in the top four in the recently completed Chinese Super League. So they have already earned spots in the next Champions League. The only thing that would be at stake is the winner will, I believe, get to start in the group stage and have instead of starting back in the playoff round and having to play one extra match, not the biggest deal in the world. So congratulations to both teams on a fine season and to uh, whatever team it was, Chen Yang, I think it was, that finished in fifth in the Super League because now they will get passed down the berth into the Champions League that one of these winners would have gotten had they not already earned their place with the top four league finish. Match number seven. No rest for the weekend, Weary. We're right back at it on Monday, and let's dig a little bit deeper into the world of football and head off to the African continent. This league isn't even quite in the top 10. This is the Championnat National in Guinea. It's ranked number 11 in their federation. Because it's in the top 12, they will get to send two teams to the Champions League and an additional team, I believe, to the Confederation Cup, which is their version of the Europa League. And they're almost halfway through the season. Your matchup, this is a name I know, hosting a name I don't at all. So that's going to make it extra fun, at least for me. Number one, Haroya, taking on number B, Hafia. A look at the table. Haroya have 26. Hafia are four points back. And then there are two clubs that are three more points back. They are at 19 in the table. Horoya, your host, and I'm going to venture to say that they might be at least a little bit of a traditional power here That name, by the way, means freedom and liberty in the Arabic and then one of their local languages So it's a nice little mix of those two They play out of the capital city of Kona and have won 20 league titles, including seven straight Yeah, a little bit of a recent power, I said, I might have undersold it a little bit Since 2011, the only title they didn't win was in 2015. Internationally, they've had a little bit of success over the years, not a great deal. 2009, they won something called the West African Club Championship. And then all the way back in 1978, they won an event called the African Cup Winners' Cup, which merged with a different event to become what is now the Confederation Cup, that secondary tournament that I mentioned. They're about to play in the 2022-23 Champions League group stage in Africa. Twice they've made the quarterfinals in the past, uh, 2018 through 20. 2019-20 season, they made the Confederation Cup semifinal. So this is a team that's really put it together in recent years. They've got a top two offense, but they've got the number one defense of the league by a landslide. They've only conceded three goals in 11 matches. Teams current form, though, they just lost their first match of the season at number six, Renaissance 0-1. And now Hafia, the club that uh, is just brand new to me. They also play out of the capital of Conakry. I believe a lot of the teams in this league do. Um, I tried to find out what the name meant. Uh, some of my research showed me a couple of examples where this word or something very similar to the word means lovable. In Arabic But the context seems to lean towards it being a girl's name So what exactly it means here, I'm not really sure But I can tell you that the Arabic influence is very strong in general in this country Now they've won 15 league titles But you've got to dip back into history to find all of them They won them all between 1966 and 1985 2020, they made their only modern Champions League appearance And went out in the first round Last year, they finished in seventh place. This year, uh, your immovable force, or irresistible force means your immovable object. They're the ones with the number one offense, and by a lot, they're getting almost two goals per match. It's not the highest scoring league in the world. Flirting with two is really good at this level. Team's current form, they are 6-1-0 in their last seven. Coming in hot. Match number eight. They played the first leg of the two-legged home and away final on Friday And so we're going to touch base with this on Monday Obviously we won't know the result at the time this is recorded But this is the AFF Cup Final The second leg of that home and away two-legged tie uh, Thailand and Vietnam are you two finalists So Vietnam hosted the first one And then Thailand as the more highly seated team They get to play host for the second one Now the AFF I won't go into the details of the acronym Because it gets a little... It gets a little strange, but basically this is your Southeast Asian sub-federation or regional uh, national championship. This is the weakest of, I believe, five sub-regions within the Asian Football Confederation. And I believe they all have their own version of this event. The Southeast one is a really big deal because this is the weakest federation. And so this gives a lot of these teams a chance to, well, quite frankly, have a shot at winning anything at all. Now, Thailand, they are ranked just outside the top 100 worldwide by FIFA and known as the War Elephants. Take that, Lions. That is the superior mascot and I believe could even win in a fight against a lion. Maybe not. I'm not. I'm animal noob as well, I guess. Team's never been to the World Cup. The Asian Cup, which is the Asian National uh, Championships, they finished number three in that once, but that was all the way back in 1972. 2019, they managed to get to the round of 16. That's their most recent appearance and the best I've ever done. Regarding this event, they are your six-time winners, at defending champs, and have won three out of the last four titles. They came into this year's event, though, with only the second-highest uh, seeding of all the different teams based on those FIFA rankings. They advanced to the final by defeating number four seed Malaysia, 3-1 to one on aggregate. Number one in event, scoring was six, Tirasil Dangda. Tirasil, that sounds like eye drops to me, doesn't it? You know, can we get the guy who was the teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off to run an ad for him? All right, that's a rabbit trail we don't need to go down. I love that movie. He plays striker for them and for a team called uh, Patum United, a veteran, 34 years old. Man United actually had the rights to him for one year early in his career, but he never appeared for them. They, he loaned, Uh, He got loaned out to Grasshopper, a pretty decent Swiss team, and he actually played for their reserve team. Gives you a little perspective on the level here. Uh, He also played for Almeria, which right now is in La Liga over in Spain. Team's current form, 4-1-1 in this event. Their only loss was a 1-0 loss in the semifinal that obviously they overcame. And now Vietnam, the Golden Star Warriors, ranked just inside the top 100 by FIFA. No World Cup appearances for them either. Two Asian Cup appearances, though. 2019, they made the quarterfinal. And in fact, uh, that's as far as they got in both of their appearances. They've won the AFF Cup title twice. And you'll remember me saying uh, the home team today, Thailand, has won something like, what, four out of the last five? Well, 2018, that was the year that Vietnam won it. They come in number one seeded in this event. They advanced in the semifinal over number five seeded Indonesia, 2-0 on aggregate. Second best event score for them was Nguyen Tien Lin. He scored five times. He doesn't play for quite as good of a team, to be honest, as uh, the other fellow that I mentioned. He plays for Beckhamix Bindong, which is kind of average at best. And he plays striker for them. Teams score form: they are 4-2-0 in this event. And they have yet to concede a single goal. Match number nine. I believe this may be the most Monday matches we've ever had in our year and change of running this podcast. Who knew it was such a popular soccer day? We're headed back to Africa for a really uniquely formatted event, the African Nations Championship. Now, somewhat longer-time footy fans might even still might think that I'm talking about the AFCON. That is their national championships or continental championships for their national teams. I should say, this is not that the African nations championship is a biennial event that was founded in 2009 and it's national teams sort of to be eligible for the play for the team. Any given player has to be playing for a team somewhere in a league in that country. So example, Egypt, if they were participating in this event, which they don't happen to be, Mohamed Salah, one of the greatest players in the world, who's over in the Europe in the uh, Premier League, rather, he is not eligible to play for the Egyptian national team for this event. It's all about growing up and giving some reward to uh, the players that have decided to stay local, although I'm sure in most of those cases they would prefer the money of Europe or other places. One other interesting thing about this is despite the fact that the biggest players are not going to be playing for any of these particular teams. FIFA still counts this towards their world ranking. So there's still some importance for this event for the teams and countries. Now, this was actually slated for last year, but yet another COVID ca- uh, casualty, but now they're back. The whole thing's being hosted in Algeria. Uh, all but eight teams for this event entered at the qualification stage. Uh, 18 teams are still left alive. They've been divided into five groups of either three or four. Out of the groups of four, the top two teams will advance. at single round robin. And uh, just one team, the winners from each of the groups of three. The matchup we've decided to give you an example of is number three, Mali versus number nine, Angola. This looked like it would be probably the most even match. They're using a pot system, so Mali is out of one of the better pots and Angola out of one that is adjacent to it numerically. Molly, they are known as the Eagles. Their full national team is ranked number 45 by FIFA. They advanced to this part of the event over Sierra Leone in the second qualifying round. Every single player on their real national team roster plays outside the nation. So I couldn't even really find any good information on the players that are going to be participating in this particular event. And they'll all be playing in the Malian uh, Premier League, which is not a super strong one, to be honest. Uh, they are two-time event runners up here. The most recent one was 2020. And now Angola. Talk about your not-lions. They are known as the... Giant Sable Antelopes Congratulations That's one of the finest nicknames I've seen in a while uh, They're ranked just outside the top 100 By FIFA number 117 They had to enter in the first qualifying round Which wasn't true of everybody Some of them got to enter in the second qualifying round Once they got to the second qualifying round They had an impressive win Over South Africa 6-1 to one. About 80% of the players on their national team Do play with home domestic clubs So These are players that are all a little bit more familiar with one another, probably get to practice a fair bit more together. And I think that could give them a distinct advantage in an event like this. Just to give an example of who is missing, their best player on the regular national team might be 24-year-old midfielder Nelson La Luz. He plays for a Portuguese top flight side called Vitoria Guimaraes. He's only made a few appearances for them this year, but this country hasn't put a lot or maybe any other players into top flight teams in the top several leagues in Europe. As far as this event goes, they finished third in 2011, and that's the best they've ever done.
1: And match number 10, we're done.
0: Finally! This is the last of our main 10 matches before we get into the three super cool bonus matches. It is a Wednesday match, and it is another FA Cup one. This time, we're headed to Spain for the Copa del Rey, which is in its round of 16. By the way, the winner of this event will get to go to the Europa League. The team that is farthest down the Spanish football pyramid that is still uh, still alive, I believe, is Ceuta, C-E-U-T-A. And they are getting to play host to Barcelona. Wow, what a big thing to have a big team like that coming in. Now, uh, Ceuta, they play in the Primera Federación, which is the third division. Uh, they got promoted to this last year after finishing fourth in Division Four last year. Apparently, they brought a lot of teams up where they reorganized some things in the pyramid. So this wasn't even a team that exactly dominated that level. And here they are taking on one of the great clubs in the entire world. But you know what, person noob? What? What? I don't feel like doing a full match preview of this. Well, I do, but I'm not going to. You know Why? because while I don't think the listeners can hear it, I am getting a little bit of the rumbly tummy. I am getting hungry. Noob needs food. Noob needs food. Yeah, do you need food? Yeah. I'm going to introduce you to a food here that uh, comes from this part of the country. We're going to do our culture break, which is usually a recipe from somewhere. And... uh, no exception here, although I'm going to cheat a little bit because the recipe I found is actually a Brazilian one. I couldn't find a Spanish version. I can't think they're all that different, and the main point for doing this one would probably, uh, you know, trump the uh, the differences in the recipe anyway. Now, in the past, what's another segment that you have done for us that's food-related?
1: Person new Sandwich Tribute.
0: That's right. Reviewed with a B. Don't forget to say it that way on the end, kids, if you're ever out there talking about our show. Our long O sounds always end with B. So I have found a sandwich that while you will not get to taste it, I do not have it here. I'm going to tell you about it. You don't know anything about this. And I'm going to show you some pictures of it and other related foods. And I'm going to let you see what you think. You think it's going to be normal or do you think it's going to be weird? Yeah, it probably will be weird. All right. It's chewy in texture, it's sweet, it's got a slightly metallic flavor, and I'm gonna switch over to the pictures here. Say hello to Chicken Hearts, or specifically, Chicken heart Sandwiches.
1: Ew.
0: Oh, look, here's a picture of the sandwich. Oh, here's one, uh, Pita with Chicken Hearts. And oh, theres I'm gonna zoom in on this. Here's some Grilled Chicken Hearts. Oh, you're covering your mouth. Are you going to hurl? <laughs> Should I take away the images? Yes. <laughs> Is this torturous? <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I'm a mean parent. But I'm exposing you to the world, and they do eat this. It's quite a delicacy, actually. They would probably find some of the things that we eat weird. So, the chicken heart sandwich. There's nothing too crazy about the recipe. See what you think, at least, of the rest of this person, do. Uh Here's some of the ingredients you're going to need. Uh, a tablespoon of corn oil. Uh, something called uh, Prato or Prato cheese slices. That's a Portuguese one. I'm sure there's a Spanish version. Uh, basically, you want to find something that's soft, low in salt and lactose, uh, some kind of yellow and mild cheese. That's going to be the Portuguese version, and I'm sure you can find a Spanish one. You're going to want some big old hamburger buns, a little bit of mayonnaise, uh, lettuce, boiled corn, uh, boiled peas, uh, peeled and deseeded tomatoes. You're going to chop those up some salt and black pepper to taste You would probably put all the salt and black pepper on the world if you absolutely had to eat this wouldn't you? She is nodding by the way ladies and gentlemen and her cheeks are completely inflated I'm hoping that's not that's air and not anything solid. You doing all right? <laughs> she is simply nodding again Perhaps this has been an error in judgment But you know what <laughs> this, is, this is where we've decided to go Or I decided to go And who knows Maybe I'll have to find a new co-host after this That wouldn't be good Maybe I should just give her control Over what sort of foods That we end up talking about in the future So, to make this You're going to season the hearts With salt and black pepper Heat up the olive oil And grill the meat quickly High heat That's how you make it not overly chewy Cover it with cheese Put on the lid and wait for it to melt. Cut the buns in half, spread on the mayo, arranged lettuce, corn, peas, and tomatoes. These are not side dishes. They're all going to go on there. And then you fill it in with the delicious grilled or sauteed chicken hearts. And ladies and gentlemen, person noob has left the building, or at least... Not even left the studio, but gone over to the daybed because she's had enough of that recipe. Well, apparently she did not enjoy this little bit of uh, cuisine trivia from elsewhere in the world. I hope perhaps you got something out of it. If you absolutely hated it, you could let me know Soccer news USA on Twitter. Or I suppose that you could call some sort of local government agency and uh, child protective services to get Person new taken away on me. Uh-oh. Bring forth the bonus matches. Ah uh, yes, and perhaps my favorite part of the show because you, the listener, have had a chance to have a say what the content was going to be. How so? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA. At the beginning of every single week, I put up polls with the Canada matches for each of these very, oh so very different bonus matches. You vote, glorious content gets made. It's dreamy. The first one is one we dramatically call the route,
1: route, route, route. Of, 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 of the week, week, week,
0: week. And somebody's going to get their butt kicked, or at least that's what we presume collectively with the round of the week. The one you've selected is a Friday match from France's Division One Feminine, which is the number one ranked league in all of Europe as such. All three of their top teams will get to go to the Champions League group stage. On the other end of the spectrum, two teams are going to get relegated. We've got a candidate for each. Number one, PSG, taking on number 12, Roday's Aveyron. Uh, PSG, their side of the table, they currently lead Lyon by just one. That's going to be a great race to the very end of the season. But unfortunately, what it means for uh, Rodez is that it's unlikely PSG aren't going to be going for a lot of goal differential in this particular one. Uh, that team, they trail number 10, uh, Wingamp, by two. That's two positions up and represents the nearest point of safety for them, which they are unlikely to reach following this particular match as they go to Paris. The series between these two, 5 0 0 in favor of PSG recently. Earlier this season, PSG went on the road and won 0 4. So this one should be even bloodier. PSG, they'll be hosting this at their Stade Jean Bowien, which has a capacity of 20,000. It's actually right across the street from the Parc des Princes, where PSG play, interestingly, meaning the men's side in that case. They have won one league title. That was two years ago, 2020-2021. Lyon has had all the other ones in recent years, but it's great to see just a modicum of parity coming into this league and that they're having a real challenger. 2015, this team made the Champions League semifinal, best they've ever done internationally. Last year, they finished as runners-up. This year so far, they are undefeated, largely by virtue of their defense. They're not even giving up a goal every other match on average. Interestingly, they only have the second-best goal differential. Their offense is top three, but not at the very tippy-top of the league. Number one in league scoring for this team She has been for a while Nine goals on the seasons Uh Kadidiatu Diani, she plays forward for them, tied for number one in assists with four so far, Sandy Baltimore. Based on the name, it it sounds kind of American, but she is actually French and just 22 years old. And then the number one goalkeeper in the league in terms of clean sheets, Sarah Bohadi, veteran, 36 years old. American fans can recognize her from having played on loan at OL Reign, which may have been called Seattle Reign at the time, back in 2021. They're still there, but now the French Lyon team owns them and changed it. Team's current form, they had won seven straight before a 3-0 loss at Chelsea in the Champions League quarterfinals And now, uh, Rode, that is the name of the town, it's in the south-central part of the country, about 25,000 people Uh, The nearest city of really substantial size is probably uh, Toulouse The Aveyron, that comes from the name of the department in which they are Uh, This is a real hub of revival for the Occitan Culture and the oc. There's real pushes to bring that language back into daily life. I'm just fascinated with some of that stuff as an old English major. They've only got one little win on the season. Last year, they won the second division. So good on them for making it up so far. Looking like they will be going right back down. However, uh, the defense is what they have a little bit on their side They're tied for ninth in that regard, giving up almost two goals per match. I don't see a lot of hope for them. Their goal differential is tied for the worst in the league. If they do manage a goal, team scoring leader with three on the year is likely to get it. That is Alex Lamontagne, a Canadian center forward. Team's current form, well, they have lost three straight, uh, having a three and seven goal differential over that stretch. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. could. You're so boring. And we come not in the spirit of making fun of these teams that are more or less smack dab in the middle of their table, but rather we want to celebrate them and treat them as perhaps nobody else in the world is. Shine a little bit of a spotlight what we can on them. Your most meaningless matchups you selected. It's another Friday match from the A-League women, the top fright in Australia, where they're just over a third of the way through the season. They don't have any relegation out of this league Not that either of these two teams are in danger of it The top four teams are going to make the league playoffs That is unlikely for these two candidates as well They are number seven, Canberra United, a capital city team and they will be playing host to number eight, Newcastle Jets. Uh, currently, Canberra, they lead Newcastle by one. They trail number four, Melbourne Victory, by five points. Meanwhile, Newcastle, they lead last place, number 11, Wellington Phoenix, by six. There may not be relegation, but you still, I don't think, want the uh you know, the uh, dishonor of finishing in last in the league. Series between these two, the last couple seasons, Canberra have had the better of it with a 3-1-1 and record. That team plays at the grounds called McKellar Park, which only seats a little bit less than 500 people, but the total capacity is 3,500. Now, I'm a little bit confused about them because I know McKellar is a suburb, but I've also seen their home listed as the southern suburb, I assume they're right next to each other, of uh, Waniasa, They've won the championship title twice, which I believe is the regular season title, 2014-15 was the last time, and then they have won the premier title, which is their playoff titles. They separate those here very specifically by name, last did that in 2016-17. Last year, you found them right where they are now, seventh place, devoid of meaning entirely. And why not? Their uh, offense and defense are right smack in the middle of the league. Their goal differential is, in in fact, only one off from being perfectly even. Uh rather than tell you who to watch for in this match in terms of uh great players, let's look at what we're gonna call their most meaningless player. And again, we mean that tongue-in-cheek and good fun, but this is a gal who appears to be average statistically for the team, probably never gets mentioned on anything. Nicoletta Flannery. She's an attacker for them, just 23 years old. Uh, she actually played for Newcastle back in 2019-20. She's got a goal on the year, no assists. Uh her passing is pretty accurate. Uh, but they're rather suspect But she has a really great tackle rate Appears to uh, track back Well on defense so if They're going to climb up they're probably going to need a bit More out of her team's current form uh, Their nil two win over Number five Adelaide United Snapped a three match losing streak And just for fun, because we like to nerd out a little bit on geography here, I have decided to look up the most meaningless facts I could find. In the suburb of Waniasa, the streets are named for Victorian politicians, Victoria being the state in which uh, they are geographically. In McKellar, the various streets are named after journalists. Both kind of interesting and ultimately uh, completely oh so meaningless. The most boring fact I can find on the fly. All right, Newcastle Jets. Newcastle's a country in the southeast part of the country, about four hundred thousand people. Last year, they too. Would be found exactly where they are now Number eight Now statistically they look a little bit different I don't know if this is good, bad, or indifferent But they've actually got a top four offense Getting one and three quarters goals per match But their defense Woof Worst in the country by a lot Two and three quarters goals per match. Uh, They've amazingly, they don't have the very last, uh, they're not the team that's tied for last in goal differential uh, with their host today. They're actually number 10 in that regard. Most meaningless player for them 23 year old attacker Ashley Broadigan. Two goals, one assist. Poor passer, but a pretty accurate shooter by percentage. And by the way, if you're looking for a team, and why wouldn't you be to root 4, I won't go into the specifics of all of them, but there are four players of U.S. nationality on this team. Team's current form, they are 1, 0, and 4 in their last five. And your most meaningless fact, uh, this is Newcastle, the largest coal exporting harbor in the world. And now and last here we meet at the end of our podcast road, not to celebrate Two great teams or even two mediocre teams like we did last match. No, this is the match of... Disappointed! And Mr. Sorbo's Herculean scored is certainly warranted as we decide to visit two sad sack bottom feeders from somewhere in the world and figuratively hurl stones at them for no good reason at all. The match of Disappointed is a Saturday match. We get a little bit of a twist. We mentioned this league earlier, but you got a person noob segment. This time we'll actually take a look at two teams from the league. The premier league of Antigua and Barbuda once again have made the show. This is the one you voted for. They don't have any relegation out of this league, unfortunately, because believe me, nobody wants to see these two teams ever again. Number 15, Parham playing host to number 16 in last place. uh, Liberta. Now, uh, Parham, they lead Libertad by one in the table, and they trail number 14, Five Islands, by two goals. I was surprised to see uh, so many teams in this league. I think this is a big expansion from previous years. Uh, All three of the teams that I've mentioned so far, the two in this match and Five Islands, they're all winless. So it's going to be a game of sad, oh-so-sad musical chairs to see who are the most pathetic soccer players in the Islands. Parham, now that's the name of a town on the island of Antigua, which is the southern of the two major islands that make up the country's name, of course. Uh, the crest also includes the name Pigots, P-I-G-G-O-T-T-S, which is also a town in the north of the, in the, north of the island. Uh, both have populations of about 1,000 to 1,500. I think there's a little village hamlet conglomerate up here. Uh, Parham is the oldest city on the island Or claimed to be established All the way back in 1632 And with all that time You would have thought That they could have come up With a better crest Oh my goodness, it is Don't show your kids, quite frankly They could run away crying Uh, It's a crazily sketched Bear this is when I wish we were a YouTube show and I could show it to you it's just the outline of a rabid bear showing these incredibly massive teeth and it's got one crazy eye the one that's more in the foreground it's not good I think that's the best thing I could say about it it kind of matches the team this year though Uh, they've had a lot of success in recent years four league titles last time was 2016-17 uh, 2019-20, though, they finished in ninth out of 10, and that was the last season, or at least last full season, they played in this country they should have been relegated why they weren't well they probably got some forgiveness because of covid that will not be the case this year they've only earned one point they had a single draw uh, that was against five islands nil nil not too impressive and they've got a lousy one and 14 goal differential maybe somebody could draw some chalk outline airlines on you know maybe the ref could use that magic injury spray or no i mean uh, what they used to draw the lines for free kicks and points of arrows towards the goal they're supposed to be trying to push the ball towards. Okay, and now Liberta. That is also on the island of Antigua in the southwest. It's the third biggest one on the island with well over 1,500 people. Interesting bit of uh, history here for them. At the turn of the 19th century, there was a uh, female plantation owner who was on financial hard times and had to sell a bunch of the land. It got bought up by freed slaves who all... You know subdivided it up for themselves and had residence there and then they would go and work for presumably small play but at least not as slaves at other nearby plantations maybe as well as this one Uh, and then the town got its name Libertad named after the freed slaves and by them in 1835. Footy wise 2019-20 they finished in 8th place. Uh, There were only 10 teams at the time. They should have had to play in a relegation playoff match, but I can't find any record of it, so I think they got some COVID forgiveness as well. They have no points on the season, winless, as I mentioned before, and somehow their goal differential is even worse, 1 versus 17. Maybe the two teams could get together and play to a 1-1 draw and each help the other team kick the ball into the goal that they're actually supposed to be. Playing for, I don't know what happened to Parham, but these two teams are just absolutely ghastly. And so, as is our tradition here for the show, we will not wish them good luck here as we part ways, but rather shoo them away and heckle them in our dark traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was dead. Get them away! Hey, boo. boo! And that's a wrap for episode one eighteen of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. I would like to thank he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan the Interno Inferno whose continuing creative efforts and inspirations are always on fire thankfully just figuratively usually not literally to my daughter co-host Person Noob Thank you so much Sorry about the sandwich. I'm going to guess that you would have given that a zero noobs review for a Person Noob sandwich review. I'll try to keep things. Uh, in a different vein of being weird In the future that was Perhaps that was unkind of me But hey we take some chances We do some experimental things on the show And thank you most of all to you For finding us We hope that you have enjoyed our brand of soccer and humor And that if you think you know somebody Who would enjoy a nice change of pace podcast About the sport That you will pass us along To those footy minded friends Until we can do it again in a few days Please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.